0: Hello, welcome to the Body Podcast. This is Candice Wu. I'm delighted to be talking with Gina Fitzpatrick today, the independent owner of One Key Yoga in Chicago, Illinois, and the mother of whom she describes as four very interesting humans. You can find her in the studio nestled in Ravenswood Lincoln Square neighborhood, teaching yoga for everybody or having tea with friends. And poised for joy and a tomato connoisseur, she is the seeker of truth and the worst bad pun. Here in this podcast, we talk about how her studio began, including the sweet origins of the name of her studio, One Key Yoga, how she and David Bowie are bonded, the struggle and beauty of moving through grief and being seen, and her current mantra of, I am listening. Without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Gina. Gina. Okay, Gina, I'm sitting here in at 1K Yoga, and I love this studio. Tell me about it. Tell me about you. Oh, okay. Well, firstly, thank you. Um, we are
1: about three years old. We just had a birthday on uh, February 2nd, and... Um, it's just a place I really look forward to coming to. I haven't had one of those days where I thought, oh God, I can't go in there. Or, oh God, I can't teach another yoga class there. So it's just one of those places that feels very much like an extension of home, you know, and sometimes it feels more like home, actually.
0: What made you choose the name One Key? Oh, that's a great
1: story, actually. There was a while there where I was teaching at every studio, literally like every studio in Chicago. And I had a keychain that was just filled with keys. And, you know, I was going into studios and I was going from, you know, Edison Park to Humble Park. And I just had this rattly keychain. And I was working so much. I was working every day. I was teaching two or three classes a day all over the city. Um, and because my husband had lost his job and we were really basically living on savings and yoga money, I was really determined to to you know be a uh, help and to make sure that we were OK. At that time, we had an 18-year-old daughter that was going away to college and three other kids at home. I just felt like this was the best way I could continue making money and, and make sure that we were OK. And then when he got back on his feet, I realized I didn't have to work this hard anymore, but I didn't know how to give up my classes. You know, you get a bond, you get you get really attached to your people, and they get attached to you. So I couldn't really decide, like, which studio, what group, what community I was going to say no to because I was exhausted. So the story is that I was sitting with a friend of mine and I said, you know, one of these days, I'm going to open up a studio and I'm going to go down to 1Key and I'm going to invite everybody that I know to come take class. And he said, that's the name of the studio. So we put it out there on social media. You know, I had other things, like I really love the Sanskrit language. It's it's phonetic, so it just vibrates really well in my body. But we just kind of threw it out there, like what if you were to choose, what would you choose? And it was on Facebook and Instagram, and overwhelmingly... People said one key, Um, and because keys are really personal. And once I started doing my research, I realized, you know, three keys in Christianity, what that means, keys to love, hope, et cetera. People collect them, and there's antique keys that are just worth millions of dollars. And I didn't know that until I started doing this research. And I didn't do this research until actually pretty recently. I just got to love the name. And then recently I was like, let's backtrack and see why.
0: I've heard many students just love listening to you in the beginning of your classes. How do you approach your classes and what do you feel you bring? Um, well, that's a great question.
1: Uh, I it's, it's personal for me. Yoga is personal for me. I mean, it's a system that I use to, you know, get better, to get well. And um, I couldn't wait to learn more about it to share it. So this gives me an opportunity to do that. My approach is, I don't know if it's... It's partially from from Kriya Yoga, from Kriyanda, from um, the temple Kriya, and partially from like David Bowie stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not kidding, I know that sounds really crazy, but like his way of just like reshuffling language and phrases from, um, from poetry or from, um, from writers that he loved. I was doing that with yoga and didn't even know that I was doing what he was doing until I was reading his biography. And I was like, Oh, I identified immediately. Like that's what I do. I reshuffle things. So something might really strike me. Like I might just be reading something and, um, It'll hit me like that's a beautiful word, or I hadn't heard that word, and then I'll go and find out the many meanings of it, and then I'll loop that with music. So then I'll go over to like my um, my library, or I might just go to Spotify, and I'll start to type in that word, or that that um, or maybe a synonym of that word, and then it brings me to music, and then I loop all that together, and that's the way I begin my classes. I know that sounds strange. And also know that it sounds really arrogant to say that David Bowie and I <laughs> share a system. <laughs> and then in the beginning, if I can, I ask questions like what's going on with your bodies, like, well, how can we approach what you need, you know, what is your spirit saying to you today? Well, that's a big question to ask a f- group of people in front of other people. So sometimes it can be awkward. I'll ask something that's a little bit more benign than that, you know, not so intense. And if I get some feedback and I get, like, if I'm getting that, oh, this mantra or this this music or this, this uh, class that I planned in this way um, is going to land well with this community, then I continue. Otherwise, I have to be on the fly and kind of switch things out. But normally, it's well-received. It has its own vibration and it has its own momentum. And next thing you know, it's just weaving in and out of whatever, whatever they need, whatever their body's showing Mm -hmm.
0: in this last week, what's one of those themes that you, or words that you have reshuffled and brought music together with?
1: This is not, this is not necessarily music. Um, but I was listening to a podcast about the hero's journey and the Jung expression, the hero's journey. And I was looking at it specifically because I thought about how I have dear friends at my age, over 50, who are actually making this trek, you know, where we start off in one place and then we move through these different cycles of our lives and then we wind our way back into that same place, but in a different perspective. And so for me, what that was, was I was ballet trained and I worked with my body and then I I didn't for a while. And then I was working in other fields that weren't really making me happy. And I was home with children too. And that was lovely, but it also, I missed this part. And so now here I'm back again in this full circle, in this journey of like coming back to body work, but a different way, better knowledge, more, more knowledge, more self-knowledge, more self-acceptance, et cetera. Our journey is going to be from the beginning of the class to the end of the class. And we can't, we started with one pose in the beginning and we ended with the same and it wasn't Shavasana. So it was a heart opener with blocks and I wanted the continuity of moving through the
0: body and then journeying back to that same place. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Right. So you took the, the idea of the hero's journey mm-hmm. and gave it a pose
1: and, and, and then just weaved it through and then came back to it exactly the way we started. But of course with more um, information, the mantra associated for that class was, I am listening. I think it's a thread that people use a lot, and it's it really speaks to me. And I am listening, because that's what yoga is. It's an opportunity to listen, to quiet, to get information. This is a profound communicator, and so we need time and space to do exactly that. Sometimes it's community,
0: um, and sometimes it's home. So I recently got into ballet, oh, okay. and so I was just taking your 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 story about looping back around to body work yeah i started I started with cheerleading <laughs> then yoga yeah. um and all of the body work through yoga yeah. and then somatic work, but then I went towards ballet, which is just. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's very different, isn't
1: it? Well, mostly because neutral is very different in ballet than it is in yoga. It's a whole different trip. Your, your neutral spine has a completely different look or feel or direction in ballet than it does in yoga. So I don't know what's changed in the world of ballet and dance in the last couple of decades, probably more than that. But, um, I remember being cued all the time to, um, to pelvic tuck and to sort of soften the natural. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that's how I was trained at from temple Korea is that the natural curve of the lumbar and the cervical almost mimic each other. And there is no tucking down that disrupts the hamstrings and the, it shifts the pelvis in a way that's uncomfortable and it disrupts the breathing into the diaphragm. So, um, when I was ballet trained, it was tucked in and under and that, Gripped hamstrings and it gripped your quads, and it really made you feel like you were solidly and purposely very grounded, very anchored to the ground, which I felt was a little bit different than what we're teaching in yoga, a lot different because we want to be buoyant, right? We want our feet, if they're touching the mat, to be our foundation, but everything else to have this buoyancy. When I see some people in class and their fingers are really locked together, and I feel like, okay, that's one way of what, holding energy, right? and keeping energy and not dispersing it in the extremities. And then I see other people like with really sort of buoyant arms and loose hands then prana moves freely, right? So what is it that you want today? Are you containing because you just need that container or are you feeling like I just want it to flow all around me? So I guess that we go back to the, what am I, what am I hearing? You know, I am listening.
0: That's really lovely to remember and to to release the right and wrong. Yeah, exactly. As I said earlier, we all want to know we're human and we all are experiencing many of the same themes. especially as human consciousness, we are interconnected. Mm -hmm. What are you struggling with or tussling with in your life or in your business? To get very personal,
1: right off the bat, it's, I'm in the middle of a, of a divorce that was unexpected. It was unexpected when it began, when our process started to move in totally different directions and there was a lot of heartache and a lot of sorrow. There was a lot of you know, upheaval and having children that really, you know, you think you have to decide, like, do I and can I change this karma for my children and is it my right is it? What are my obligations here? Right? Because as soon as you decide to do what you feel is right for you, then that ripple effect just goes all the way out to the ocean. So there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of decision making, a lot of uh, hand wringing, a lot of other things that went along with it. And I had to sort of sit with the fact that yes, I'm going to be responsible for the shift and 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 for people who depend on me, their lives, and it's going to be it's not going to be great. And it's gonna suck for a long time for them and for me. It's a kind of a bigger story than I think probably most people know um, or that I've been talking with. Some very close friends have known the story, but last year my my brother died, um, that was unexpected. And then I had moved out of my home and uh, moved into an apartment and I was, I moved out alone and I was running this business. We also had the first year of um, inner peace yoga therapy training here. That all happened in the same week, 25 of the most spectacular women show up and uh, they came in and I was looking around and thinking, how can this be us? You know, we're, we're just really only two years old and all this other stuff is going on. And here we are, the space is filled with some of the most brilliant yoga therapists, teachers in the country and they're filling our space once a month. And I just couldn't believe it was possibly part of my doing, excuse me. I mean, all that was going on at the same time. I was, I was unpacking this apartment, you know, helping my mother, um, with her, her grief. And it was pretty profound. And I have to say, I wasn't, um, I wasn't, What's the word? I wasn't really um, switched on with the group here. I was being really private and really protected. And we had uh, Chana Masta, who's coming in next month. And she came in for an Ayurvedic module. And um, she was sitting under that beautiful mandala. She didn't know who I was. I never really introduced myself to these teachers as the studio owner. This was their space. This was their place to teach. I, I stayed out of the teacher seat when they were here. And Chana Masta, um, we looked at each other. I burst into tears and I hadn't, I hadn't cried like that. I hadn't cried about the loss of my marriage in front of anybody. I hadn't cried about the loss of my brother and hadn't really dealt with all these tremendous losses, but she looked at me and she said, I see you. I just like, Burst into tears, and they were like, they were they were tears of grief, tears of thank you, of deep gratitude. And then uh, she just hu- she hugged me in a really long hug, and it was a really long, uncomfortable hug for me. Like it was really long. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, excuse me, you're breaking down my barriers. <laughs> you just taking all my walls down. I oh, can I have oh. one? <laughs> can i choose which one and we were sat we sat there and it was very a very tantric hug because we were sitting down and she had her arms around me like she was really holding me and she had me and i'm you know a middle-aged woman with my shit together right <laughs> <laughs> and she had me she had me put my my left ear to her shoulder and every few seconds, she would whisper in my ear, I see you. I hadn't experienced that kind of intimacy before where it was just like, there was really nothing, no sound, no others, just, just, um, she just, and I wept like a two-year-old and I felt great afterwards. I felt so relieved at the end of her weekend, we were sitting in a circle talking about what we learned and what we, what we, um, what we wanted to to tell each other and for the first time in this group I, I spoke up and was honest and said what you don't know and, and, I, and I wasn't very likable, believe me. I was very closed off and very like writing notes and standing in the corner and making sure everybody had enough tea. And I told them the story just about you know my brother passing away and the loss of this marriage and how untethered I felt. Like I was so Vata, I was so Vata. I had no, I had no earth. Well, all your ground was shaken. Oh, it was all, yeah, it was all shaken. And, um, and yeah, she was the first person that ever really like let me, no, my friends were wonderful and beautiful and they allowed me to carry on and do whatever I need to, but I hadn't had this kind of, um, experience
0: with anybody before or after. You're speaking to just how much grieving and feeling with somebody in yeah. a safe like yeah. contained way yeah. it's there's just nothing like it and it's not like she said many other words to help you in your situation no, no. it's that she said I see, you, I see you and held you yeah and what was interesting to me is and I really felt this very
1: strongly I, I almost felt it immediately was that um you know grief is and I and you've probably heard this before but I felt it very strong grief is just love with nowhere to go you know, I just had like a tremendous amount. I had no place for it. And, and she, gave me, she gave me a place for it,
0: you know. That hits me very deep. Yeah. Grief is love with nowhere to go. Yeah,
1: that's not mine. I wish it were mine, but I hold it true. When my brother, um, they, meet, they brought him into hospice because he's, his kidneys failed all, almost overnight. He knew he was passing and he was really afraid. So the hospice nurse got him on his feet. And he, they put him his feet on the ground, and I didn't know how people knew how to love like that or how to care like that for other people. I mean, I think I'm a loving person, but I think for a, a a nurse to take the person and know that the what you can do is is ground them, is put their feet on earth, and he stopped being afraid. And that was a really big deal for me. And I think a lot of people who are afraid of other people's dying, like they're one of the things I hear all the time, is like I will I. I don't want them to be afraid. Or I was so sad. I was so scared. They were afraid. Well, I was feeling that for him too. And when I spoke to the nurse, she said he was, as soon as his feet touched the ground, he was fine. So I shared this with the class. And then later on, Chanamasta sent me a note and she said, when you are um, unsure, know that I'm holding your feet to the ground. So I think about that all the time. And I think about her energy and I think about How all of us are like that. Someone in your life that you're going to meet, you'll have that exchange and you might have that experience with them and and you get to, you know, walk alongside them with this journey and it's pretty amazing. What would it be like if you didn't have to walk around with all this that you're containing? Maybe it's more feminine than masculine, but to also not to be a burden or to bother
0: or to be the problem
1: it's not appropriate to unleash or come in and vent or, or anything like that. But then you get so used to like making sure that's contained, but that container gets you know filled up and filled up and filled up and there's no place for it to go except for up and out. And
0: yeah. Yeah. And I've been thinking about how, the more we play to that, we exactly. think maybe yeah. we're going to be seen a certain way right. or, or we're going to see ourselves a certain way, right, exactly. and, and yet that we, we contain, and then we're only playing to the fact that we believe this, and it's not even real. It's not even real. It's not even real. Like, no. not the truth. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, if, what was I fearing? I'm not sure, you know, looking vulnerable or not pulled together or... Well, and even just facing the feeling of it can be so hard whether or not people are around. What are some challenges you found as a business owner? Um, you know, it's not an easy way to make a living. You
1: know, I mean, um, we try to make um, our classes and our workshops as, as affordable as possible. And that's honestly the truth because we, um, I felt it very difficult at some points in my life to be able to afford to go to yoga. And, um, and, you know, having to decide, you know, to yoga or something else, you know? Um, and so we really try to make it as affordable as possible, but then I have these really expert teachers that have invested time and money and have educated themselves and they are avid learners and they're self-taught and they're certified. And I really want to make sure that they're paid well. And I want to make sure that this is a living wage for them and that they want to stay. We have almost no turnover, not in a long time. And I want to maintain that. I want the community to grow with our teachers. My other perspective is that I hire very young teachers that um, when I mean very young teachers, I mean, not that they're young, young, but that they're new to yoga. And I do that on purpose. Um, I'm trying to give them a place to find their voice, and a place where they can um, learn from their students, and they can track their growth. That's not as easy as it sounds because they don't come with a following, right? Oh. So, so there's some there's some there's some sacrifice there on the business side, but the personal side is to watch. Them really blossom and really grow and, and get really curious about learning more and um, and they're awesome because they come to each other's classes and the return um, for me is just, it's been spectacular in terms of friendship and community and how they feel about working here and how they feel about teaching in this community. It's, it's really pretty spectacular. There's no rock stars here. They come in and they love what they do and I want to continue to have that.
0: If You had advice for a new business owner of a yoga studio or a yoga teacher. What would you say? Oh, my gosh. Uh, (laughs) I don't know
1: because this place has just taken on its own own vibration. I really thought we were going to do like a lot of vinyasa and that was going to be... But it's turned into something else. It's more about health issues. We do a lot of women's issues stuff here. We're going to be doing a meditation workshop with journaling. We've had those before. Um, We have the yoga therapy. We have pelvic floors. So we're doing these things that are just kind of like moving in their own direction. They're branching out from each other. Just be open to everything. Choose wisely who comes into your space and wants to use your space. Um, Really get to know the people who, who come in before they do workshops so that you know what you're offering your community. And go slow, go really slowly, intentionally say, slow down. Because every time I haven't slowed down, something's happened from losing a wallet because you're running through the, you know, the, the parking lot at Trader Joe's, you know, and every time, and then I find the wallet and I'm like, okay, that's a gift And that's also the same lesson over and over again is slow down, slow down. I mean, you know, to be honest is that, um, you know, I opened up this space with the intention of having this as a family business. So I had, my husband had an income, so, you know, I could open up the studio and not worry about making any money. If someone was opening up a studio and decided I need it to be a money-making business tomorrow. Um, I would say that is a mistake because it's not a money-making business tomorrow. Also, if you are really over the top with it, your people are going to feel it. There's nothing anybody wants in a yoga studio that smacks of anxiety or or stress. or we got to make this work kind of stuff.
0: What's something you do when you... are exhausted, or you feel like maybe you've taken on energies that you uh, that may or may not be yours, right. or just yeah. you need nourishment. What's yeah. something you do? Um, I watch television. <laughs> I watch I watched old reruns of Twin Pe- Twin Peaks.
1: <laughs> I don't know that show. You don't know Twin Peaks? Okay. Well, it's a bizarre. Uh, t- bizarre, bizarre series that started, I think in the eighties and I didn't have television in the eighties. I didn't grow up with television cause my parents didn't really have one. And that's maybe a little overstatement, but we just didn't have it. It wasn't, it wasn't like the center of our, um, our living space. And, and growing up in the seventies, you went outside, you ran wild. You didn't stay home and watch television. There was such a thing as cell phones and everything like that. So, and then I was in, and then I was in a whole artsy world. So I didn't have television and then I was raising children, so I didn't have television. So no, I'm watching like all this crazy stuff. So if I could, uh, <laughs>
0: I, such a treat, such
1: a treat. I know I, I want to say something more spiritual. I want, to, I thanks. It's not true.
0: <laughs> love, I love that just like total authenticity there.
1: <laughs> I would love to say that I have lavender can, candles, that I don't. I have them here, and I do practice and I meditate on my own. But I'm here so much. And I, when I, by the time I walk home, I'm ready for a totally different switch, a totally different vibration. That makes complete sense. Yeah, I like, like this new term I've heard, inner um, standing, and I sort of adopted that in my in my world. There's like there's an understanding, and then there's an inner standing, and I feel like by the time I'm done here and I'm closing shop at 8:30, I often sit and listen to music by myself. And I have this overwhelming sense of understanding and inner standing before I even walk in my door, before I even get home. And I can walk from here to to home and that feels great.
0: A lot of healers and wellness practitioners are feeling challenged with boundaries like they feel yeah exhausted by other energies or feelings mm-hmm. or that they're empaths and mm-hmm. they're taking, taking stuff in. Mm-hmm. And what do you have to say about that? Or what do you experience? I think that's, just, I think that's really
1: human. And that's part of it. You know, um, I do for sure do that. And there were times wait when I was way younger that I would feel so strongly a hit from somebody just when they were walking down the street, I could feel like true sorrow. And it just felt like a really deep pang, And, um, when I was younger, I would move away from that. Like I would go in the other direction. And then right when I was like in my early start as a yoga teacher, then I would go in that direction. Moving towards the fire. Yeah. To me, it's so human. Um, for people to have human experiences of pain and sorrow and grief and loss. And then actually, um, um, Antonio, when he came in to teach our modulo about grief, it turned my whole perspective around it where I didn't really have to be afraid of other people's very big feelings, very strong feelings. One, I think that most of us are looking for a big feeling, And two, when we do have these big feelings and we're sharing them or or we're in a community and we have to say them out loud and the teacher or other people are picking up on them, is that I've learned that, that you can, you know, the term holding space, right? That's a term that we use in our business to hold space for people, but to do that in a limited time, make them aware of the time boundary and you too, and stick with that. It's great for them and it's great for you. So you can give them what you can give them in a time that is suitable for both of you. I think it's really good that boundary really resonates and lands well with people who are in these big states because they really they can't be unleashed, they can't be untethered. They need some earth as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That containment, yeah. that um, yeah. clear boundary yeah. can help so and much. And I think it's
1: different than talk therapy because I think that talk therapy, and forgive me, is uh, when it gets to the complaining stage um as opposed to, as opposed to the, to the purging stage so i think there's that difference you know when you're when we're moving with your bodies and i've had those con- conversations and this goes back to a little bit too, personally too like through my divorce um and speaking to my my divorce lawyer is that we're rehashing a lot of stuff and i'll say things like i don't live in that anymore
0: What would you say is, uh, either the theme of your life overall, Okay, you know, thinking about your soul's curriculum. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Or what is it now in the moment? What is it now?
1: Um, learning about now. Yeah. Learning about right now and the significance of right now. I, everything reveals itself in a really interesting way. Every layer, every groove, every every experience um, is daily and every day it changes. And honestly, every day something really magnificent happens. I know that sounds like an overstatement, but it's true. Whether it's for me or when I'm looking at a student or whether there's... I, you know, when you're in the middle and you can see transition... It's hard for me to explain what is my, what is my,
0: he asked me that question again. I don't know. think I said, what is your life's theme or your soul's curriculum? My life's theme or
1: my soul's curriculum. I don't know, just to be here, just to listen. I think I, I like this. I think I'm going to stick with I am listening. I think that's my new thing. Yeah. I think it's going to hang around for a while. I think someone said very wisely, if you're talking, you're not learning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right? Because we can talk oh, okay. <laughs> and talk and just keep distracting ourselves yeah, or yeah. filling the airspace. Yeah. yeah. It does sound a great like... a question. That's it, a great response. Like listening. Mm-hmm. There can never be enough of inner listening, outer listening, yeah. and it does seem like that's what you're bringing here to your students and yeah. the community is like listen to your body, yes. what's happening, yeah. listen to the moment. Mm-hmm.
1: And I try to stay away from things that people can't vibe with. Like what if we spoke only in... Sanskrit. And you had half a dozen people here that that wasn't their thing. You know, it was never going to be their thing. And part of the theme of our training at Temple Kriya was, you know, teach to the the difference. Teach to the population that you're in front of. This is all, it's not man-made, it's woman-made. So the everything in this space has been designed by a woman. The floor was put in by the woman, I, the woman that um, was our subcontractor. She was also our carpenter, woman who brought us in. She works for the, the company. Candia, who runs a space. She's their she's their lawyer. She's their everything. And she brought us in. So this is a very feminine feel. I can't believe we've been here three years, and I can't believe it's only been three years. Well, thank you so much. It's been such
0: a pleasure to talk (laughs) with you (laughs) and to see you. Yes, come to class. Gina offers spiritually grounded workshops to explore yummy cosmic energies, including dream work, spirit totems, and all the way down to the pelvic floor and body and an amazing yoga therapy program. She truly brings her gift herself to her practice and to her students. Thanks for listening in on my conversation with Gina. Before you leave today, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the weekly Embody podcast at CandiceWu.com podcast, or stay connected with me in my newsletter or the Embody community on Facebook. All of that can be found on my website, CandiceWu.com. See you next time.